This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here with a short episode today, and it's it's about an interesting topic with a very interesting young man that we've talked to on the show before a couple times. Uh, Arjun Menon is joining us to talk about his look at prospective draft and uh, cap space for the Ravens in the coming years. Arjun, how are you doing? Doing well, very well, Ken. Appreciate you having me back on. Um, hopefully, this is a topic that Ravens fans won't have to look forward to in, until like another month when the Super Bowl is done. Uh, but as we know, you know, NFL is kind of a high variance sport, so we never know what could happen. And obviously, I'm rooting for the best for the Ravens. But um, yeah, excited to dive into this and talk about you know where the Ravens stand in terms of cap space, draft capital, and, and everything else. All right. Outstanding. Now you're at Michigan for your senior year, your, your math data analytics. I'm not sure exactly what your major is, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I'm Michigan for my senior year. Um, I've really enjoyed obviously uh, winning the national championship this past Monday. So that was, that was a huge uh, blessing, obviously right before our second semester started. And uh, this past summer uh, I interned with the New York jets as a football analytics intern. So was doing a lot of, you know, kind of player evaluation, opponent research, that kind of thing for them. Uh, that was a great experience, had you know, a lot of fun, learned a lot, especially just going in as a, as a person who was really, I think, in tune with the data side of things. But, you know, when you work for a team, I think you were, were able to pick up on some of the schematic and, and coaching and scouting side of things that you don't really get from from a public space. So had a lot of fun. That was uh, really helpful for me. And then coming back here, 
since I work with Michigan football, I was able to kind of apply some of the knowledge, some of the knowledge and the ideas that I had from the Jets and applied here and ended up winning a national championship. So I think everything worked out in the end and uh, excited to see what what's uh, what's the future for the program. Are you going to get a national championship ring of some sort? <laughs> I, I don't know what the deal is with that, honestly. Uh you know, I, I hope we, I hope we do. Uh, I mean, we're not technically like, we're not like a, like a, I'm not like a manager. I like do, I'm like a data analyst for them. So I don't really know how that all works. I'm hoping I can, but in the worst case, I can at least say I was part of the program when sure. we were, when the national championship. Sure. Is there, is there anything you talk about specifically who, like a, like a group you supported? I know you were with Matt Weiss at one point where you mm-hmm. and Tage both, right? Yeah. I mean, we were with Weiss and Mike McDonald when, oh wow. Mike, so interestingly, like, you know, I, I think them coming from the Ravens really helped to kind of grow our analytics group. That was, you know, our, like we have like a football analytics club at Michigan. And when Weiss and McDonald came over in 2021 from the Ravens, I think they, you know, Ravens are one of the most analytically forward minded organizations in the league, especially from a coaching and game planning perspective and fourth downs and all that. I think they came over and they brought that over. So, you know, I know McDonald left after one year, but Weiss was still there last year. And I think just the kind of impact I think we were able to make in those first two years, even when, you know, Weiss wasn't with the program anymore or yeah, wasn't with the program. I think the fact that we were still able to contribute and, and you know, work with the coaches there, even minus the two Ravens guys, even though Minter is a Ravens guy at heart. Mm-hmm. I think like, you know, that kind of seamless switch between him and McDonald was great. And yeah, I mean, Mike McDonald is one of my favorite coaches in the league at this point. And I think he's done a tremendous job with uh, what he's had to work with in Baltimore. Any chance the Ravens retain him? Retain McDonald? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a good chance. I think Rabel and Belichick hitting the market, I think re- increases the chance that both Monken yeah. and McDonald come back, obviously more options. And I think people prefer the retread options over first year head coaches, whether that's you know right or wrong. Um, but even if McDonald leaves, I mean, I think uh, you guys have some great in-house options and Hey, maybe, you know, John poaches Jesse Minter from Jim. If Jim doesn't bring Minter to the NFL. And I mean, I love McDonald's. I also love Minter. I mean, I think Minter's defenses in Michigan have been better than McDonald's with less talent. So I, I think those, the two guys at the Harbaugh brothers have shared have been amazing. And it, it kind of just speaks to how good they are as, as a coach and as a you know developer of coaches and, and programs. I, I think Ravens fans are going to really love to hear that last comment in particular. I have heard Minter's main name mentioned as a potential replacement for McDonald. Anthony Weaver also one that's mm-hmm. is mentioned. And, you know, Weaver, if you ever heard the guy speak or you ever watched the guy at practice, he's going to be a head coach for sure someday. Yeah. And, and it, it's just a question of um, how soon extraordinarily relatable and intelligent. And that is a very difficult point on that Phillips curve of, yeah. uh, of important qualities there. Yeah. Um, Let's uh let's jump back though into the Ravens situation with cap and draft capital upcoming because it's a uh, a very naughty problem. The Ravens unwound a portion of it today. I don't know if you saw this already, but they reworked um, Odell Beckham's yeah. contract uh, pretty significantly. So you've heard already. Great. Uh, uh, looks like it'll defer about eight million out of next year. I think is the is the number I'm I'm hearing. But I'm just stalling here because I'm bringing up your your uh, uh, effective cap space. But you your your article which is extremely well done, evaluating which NFL teams are best set up for the 2024 offseason based on draft capital and cap space. Uh, this was published, when was it published? January 9th on uh, on PFF's site. Uh, t- talk us through the three factors you're using here and where the Ravens stand in those. 
Yeah. So <clears throat> the three factors are draft capital, effective cap space, and proratable money. To kind of walk through it, um, I and they're they're each weighted differently in my final composite score. So I weigh draft capital a little bit more than than cap space and proratable money, mainly because I believe draft capital is more important. I think you can build and sustain good franchises through the draft. I think some of the best teams in the league have built their teams through the draft versus free agency. Not to say that free agency you can't you know find gems. Like I think the Ravens had a tremendous free agency uh, mm-hmm. or you know, even post free agency this off season. But I think draft capital is something that you always want to have just because of the way you're able to uh, use it, not only in the draft, but you can use draft capital to trade for players. The Cowboys, you know, I know the Mario Cooper's trade was not great for their favor, but they were able to get Stefan Gilmore, able to get Brandon Cooks, who both emerged as key contributors this year, I think. And so like things like that, I think that's why uh, I think draft capital is very important. Effective cap space is basically cap space, but you're also accounting for the fact that you need to have 51 guys on your roster and you're signing the projected rookie class. So that's why I like using effective cap space rather than regular cap space. And then proratable money is something that, you know, I feel like not a lot of people talk a lot about. And in my like rankings, I didn't want to penalize a team like the Saints, who always are in the negative for cap space heading out of the out of the regular season. But they always are able to restructure contracts to create cap space. So I wanted to account for that. So that's why I included a column called proratable money or proratable uh, yeah, proratable money. And that's that's the lowest way just because like, yeah, you'd rather be in a, in a spot where you don't have to prorate money. So your proratable money, is it only like the simple restructures that's incurred there, or does this include possible restructuring of extension with the extension that would move more money than that? Yeah. So it's only, it's only restructuring on current contracts. So simple, simple restructures, one year of current deals. So simple restructure, you pay them their entire salary as a bonus, it becomes this prorated over the remaining term of the deal, not into some extended void year situation. Yeah, exactly. Or you can turn it into void years, that which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, and it's it's to uh, to clarify, I think it, it's not the full amount of the base salary. It's eighty percent. So it's eighty percent of the base salary or roster okay. bonus. Um, so that yeah. So I'm not really accounting for extensions. Again, I I, I think you, I I don't want to speculate when it comes to that, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And um, yeah, unfortunate. I, I published the article and then the OBJ news comes out like two days oh, later. Right. Um, but yeah, prorable money. I think that's something that you know teams look at and. I feel like some of the sharper teams are actually using restructures more and more and, and including void years. And I think we saw that kind of with the Ravens and, and Odell's contract as well. It hadn't happened before mm-hmm. the last year or two for the Ravens, but it, but it started happening. And I think it's a, it's a um, artifact of the pandemic and the cap uh, reductions there. And obviously teams had to make changes and now maybe it's around permanently. I, I, I kind of hope the Ravens are able to pay off that credit card debt over time yeah. and get themselves back in a better position. Or even, you know, if it has to happen all at once, I'll do it. But I, I, I'll i tell you this, as a season ticket holder, I am pissed off with the possibility of having to sit out a year of football or sit through a year of bad football, maybe is the way I ought to put it. Um, just being there at a Steelers game on Saturday where the Ravens, you know, didn't play their regulars pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I just, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that. But anyway. Uh, do you, do you think it's possible for teams before we get into this a little further for teams to, um, compete for Super Bowls if they're good drafting teams like the Ravens say, but, but uh, apply a level approach as opposed to riding the roller coaster of parity between boom and bust cap years. 
Yeah, I, I do think that's possible. Um, and for the most part, the draft is a crapshoot. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a lot of variance every year between the between drafts. But I do think that if you are a team that prioritizes analytically friendly moves, like trading back, accumulating more picks, you're always, or not always, but like, I think just the law of averages will allow you to hit on players later in the draft at some point. Like you're not, you're not going to miss on every day three pick. Right. Well, I, 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 there's, I really don't like it every time that the draft is made to be like a game of random coin flips or card draws or whatever. I, I look at it a little differently. I say, if you have an, a, a, a superior GM, you should have an advantage on each one of those. It's more like a world series of poker entry. If you're Dan Harrington or Phil Ivey or you know a really good poker player, your entry is worth about four or five entries. If yeah. you're Ken McCusick entering the World Series of Poker, it's worth one fourth of an entry. You know, so, so it's more like that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, that that's another reason why trading back will work more often for teams that are, are good at it in general. But even DaCosta himself uses that language sometimes, and I just absolutely hate it. I mean, first of all, it's a it's a to, to a certain degree, it's a lack of accountability work. It's a, in some way, it's a modesty that he's doing it for. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a, he's a, been a great drafter. He's been part of yeah. the Newsom years and all that. And and you know, we got to expect for 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 drafts to be good and have that be part of the understanding of the franchise. And then people accept more the notion that hey, we're trading for we're trading for more picks because we wanted more picks. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And one of the things that I you know when finishing the article. I was thinking about is like when you're a team like the Ravens and you have Lamar on a big contract, you need to be able to draft well to sustain. You can't like you can't build like sustainable franchises through free agency with a veteran contract. And I think that's why even if the Ravens don't show up so well in my overall composite score, I think just because of how good they are drafting and ultimately my draft percentile doesn't even take into account, you know, future trades that could be made in the next three months. Right. So Mm -hmm. You know, we know Ravens are a team that could sell high. Like they could like franchise tag Matabike and then trade him for trade him. whatever pick. And I think and the comp picks that they're probably going to get for some of these players like Matabike, I think will factor into the Ravens draft capital. Right. So, so tell me that. Where, where do you think the tag and trade value of Matabike is in terms of where that pick might fall? Yeah. So I, I think. It's tricky because I think if he hits the open market without a tag, he's going to get around $20 million. Like that's the kind of season he had. Whether you want to pay that much for a guy who only did this in his platform year, maybe that's not great business, but like you get 10 plus sacks as an interior defense alignment, that is very valuable. So I think 20 mil will fetch the Ravens a third round compensatory pick. So if the goal is to tag and trade, I wouldn't get any, I wouldn't ask for, or I wouldn't accept anything less than a third rounder. Cause I know, I think on the open market, that's what you'd be able to get as a comp pick. Oh, wouldn't you think higher than that? I mean, first of all, it is a third round deferred. So a third round this year would be maybe an yeah, it would, on that. Yeah, it would. So the, yeah, the comp pick would come in 2025. So I guess it does depend on whether, like what timeline the Ravens want to operate under. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's worth a second at least, but again, I think like, I, I think for the team that trades him, it's, it's like you're trading the pick and you have to extend him or sign him to a contract, which, which mm-hmm. makes it tougher to ask for a lot more w- rather if he was already on this $20 million extension. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I get that. I do think he'll be a, obviously a premium free agent, and, and both sides would be encouraged 
to get that done. Matapike mm-hmm. with a new team with only one season by that logic, he would also be feeling some of the pressures to cash in now and not later. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get back to your art of hill because it's great stuff here. And uh, let's talk about cap space, I guess, first and uh, where the Ravens rank in that category. Yeah. So Ravens uh, buy over the cap have only $9.5 million in effective cap space. So the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO, Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is, you know, relatively lower on the scale. So they are in like the bottom half of teams uh, this year or going into next year. And then one of the things that, um, again, that I look at restructurable money or proratable money, they're actually a team that you know don't really ha- doesn't really have a lot of money to kind of restructure. So they they are in a spot where they have a below average number below average cap space. And they also only have a $67 million worth of money to, to max restructure, which again, it ranks in the bottom 10. So it's, they're in like an interesting spot because they signed a bunch of one-year deals to some of these street free agents, but, and, but that also means they don't have a lot of money to restructure. So I think you're going to have to make some tough decisions on players, letting them walk. You might have to cut some players. Um, and it's not really a situation where you have a lot of contracts to restructure. And I mean, the team is relatively young and you have, you know, great guys on young deals, but I do wonder what the future is for guys like Marlon Humphrey or like a Marcus Williams, where they are, they are on veteran contracts and, you know, especially in the secondary, I think, uh, like play does decline pretty quickly at times. Well, the other the other player who has been in decline this year is Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. he has a significant salary for next year that represents a fair percentage then of this proratable cap, right? Yeah. So his uh, his cap hit in 2024 is going to be 26 million, um, and he does have an 11 million dollar base salary with a four million dollar roster bonus. So up to 15 million dollars that you could. Um, eventually restructure and push into 2026 and create or yeah, push into 2025 and potentially void years if, if that's mm-hmm. what the Ravens want. But, you know, maybe the maybe the move is to just cut them outright, which you you take on more dead money than cap savings. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, like you signed him to that big deal and he has I mean, you would say he hasn't played up to that deal sure. right in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a very tough year for him. He's been outplayed by the Ravens, other tackles, which yeah. is that's not supposed to happen. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, so that's, that's so I, I like the way you look at this in terms of, of the, the combination of effective cap space and restructurable cap. 
And unfortunately, I don't like the quadrant where the Ravens are. There's only two other teams there, mm-hmm. the Jets and the Packers. And I'll tell you what the other three names are. There's need to make moves, have means to restructure contracts. That's a lot of the, you know, the Browns and the Bills and the Steelers and the 49ers and the Dolphins. So some good teams in the NFL are in that category. There's in a good spot, can free up Rome if needed. And that's like still the Chiefs, which surprises me a little yeah. bit, and the Bears. And the Rams, how did the Rams get there? Yeah, Rams, uh, well, they sold off a lot. They you know, got rid of Ramsey, um, just really went with that whole youth movement. So a lot of contracts off the books. And and I think they still have some big contracts like Stafford, Donald, Cup, that they can restructure money. But for the most part, it's a pretty, pretty young team, especially on defense. All right. And then don't need to worry, but not as much wiggle room. And that's a lot of teams. It looks like that's maybe the most quad- crowded quadrant of yeah. all. It's also some of the not very good teams in the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the fourth with these three teams is, what are you calling that here? I can't read the writing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it says Cap Hell. Uh, you know, when I when I made the article like three years or two years ago, um, I, I forget what the team is, but they were in like a really, really bad spot. And they were like in in the left quadrant, like firmly in the middle. And it's just a quadrant where you don't have a lot of money and you don't you don't have the means to create money. So, you know, I just felt like Capel was the best way to put it, because that's just not where you want to be. <laughs> OK, well, it's it's obviously where the Ravens would prefer not to be either. Um, uh, they have 43% of their players leaving in free for 43% of the snaps leaving in free agency. Last I checked, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty damn significant. How do they build a team for next year with that consideration coming? Yeah. So, you know, I'm assuming like Clowney and Van Noy kind of factor into that. I, I'm hoping you see another step from Ojabo, you know, Michigan man. Uh, not, you know, I'm sure he's been kind of stuck behind the depth chart of, of whoever's been in front of him this year. Or has he, be, has he been injured. playing or is, he's injured? No, yeah. He's so injured. you you need him to take a step forward. I feel like we saw that from Odafe Owe, another kind of athletic freak. Um, I'm not saying Ojabo's in that same tier in terms of athleticism. But again, you drafted him in the second round when he was a first round prospect. So mm-hmm. hopefully he's able to make that third round leap. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest one, just finding a way to kind of keep developing your edge guys. And then you have to find, you know, I guess, uh, another replacement for Matt Abike. Um, I know you guys extended Michael Pierce, so that, you know, you're going to have some stability there. And then I guess the rest of the snaps would come like receiver then with OBJ and Aguilar. Yeah. So a lot from OBJ Aguilar, Kevin Zeitler is a big free agent. Yeah. Patrick Queen, of course, uh, Stone is a, is a free agent who's played a fair amount this year. Uh, trying to think who else there is that, that, um, that, you know, JK Dobbins who didn't yeah. have any snaps this year, but is, is <laughs> yeah. potentially significant. Um, Gus Edwards is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think who else am I, am I forgetting here? They do have three other guys on the offensive line are signed three out of five, but Simpson is also a free agent. Uh, not a huge loss, but yeah. uh, but you know he's he's been okay. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. I think the Ravens did a pretty good job planning for the future. I mean Trenton Simpson, I'm assuming is just going to step into the Patrick Queen role. Um, I know Geno Stone is kind of allowed Kyle Hamilton to play play slot. Um, maybe no, Hamilton. Huge. Yeah, but maybe Hamilton switches back to safety. And I think it's easier to find a, a slot corner in the draft. There's some you know great ones I think this year that are coming out. And then I, I think receiver is the big one. I, I mean, the Zay Flowers pick looks amazing already, um, has allowed uh, the Ravens offense to really open up the passing attack. And maybe this it's a you know, step forward and from where the Ravens have, draft, have been able to draft quality receivers 
in the past. And I mean, you'll still have Bateman under contract. So you're mm-hmm. really just probably looking for a third guy, which again, I think you can find in, in free agency. You can find in the draft. Um, I, I, that's the thing. I think the Ravens are in a good spot. And I think they've done a good job in the last two years of kind of planning for these kind of years where you have a lot of snaps departing. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, so anyway, let's let's go on to the second part of this, which is um, draft capital, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with draft capital, um, I, I mean, we're going to assume that the Ravens are picking probably in the back half, definitely in the back half of the first round, but hopefully in the, the bottom five. Um, again, like, yeah, I think, the, I think right now, as of right now, even if they departed in the divisional round, the highest they can draft is 28th. Yeah, exactly. So they're, you know, in terms of where they're picking inside the round, yeah, they're going to be pretty low in every in every round. Um, but again, like this is a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they traded out of the first round to a team maybe trying to come back in and take a quarterback or take a, take a player. That's just what Eric DeCosta, what, that's the Aussie Newsom approach. And so whatever draft capital I have for the Ravens right now, I, I 100% know it's going to change by the draft. Um, so yeah, the, I think my, so my table has them in the, uh, 25th percentile in terms of draft capital. I'm assuming by the end of the draft, that's going to be much higher. And even if they trade up, like I think they'll find ways to recoup that picks later in the draft. So um, yeah, not doesn't show up well now, but I think it will change. So uh, more likely to trade down and that that draft capital percentage is based on Spielberger uh, yeah, system the, or okay. the Fitzgerald Spielberger. Fitzgerald Spielberger. Okay. So are you satisfied with the Deduction of the replacement level from each of those draft values. Uh, can you explain what you? Okay, so so my problem with all kinds of AB based systems and all this, and any basically anytime you try and put a, a, a single value on a player, is that the value of that player is only in excess of the replacement level is all you should really be considering if you can truly replace them on the street on that, mm-hmm. even if you can replace them at the UDFA level. Uh, for that, you know, you, you you shouldn't count any more of it than that. So that for a for some of the lower round picks, that to, to carve out most of their value, frankly. So you know, the the flatter valuation tables that we see in a lot of the newer systems that are not JJ, I, I think the weakness they have, or the, the the weak argument that they have with regard to those systems, is that they don't really subtract out the replacement level effectively. And the replacement level, when you take it out of you know Peyton Manning or any other number one overall pick, is nothing compared to the career value. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of the typical seventh round pick, it's it's it might be more than it, or or it might be you know a, a, a high percentage of it. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. I think the replacement level thing is is something that uh, it's very interesting to think about because. You don't like it's tough to really define, I guess, what a replacement level is like you could say a backup is a replacement level, but some backups are, you know, starters who are just on a good team um, and they just haven't had a chance to shine. So, yeah, I think the replacement level thing kind of messes with it. And I I do agree with the premise that the JJ curve is too steep and I would Mm -hmm. kind of value those later picks more or more than the JJ curve does. Um, And I know uh, Brad and and Jason, uh, sorry, Fitzgerald Spielberger, they kind of valued their uh they, they created their chart based on like contracts signed at each each draft position so that's kind of how they i believe came up with theirs and so you know i, I think with how many day three picks end up working out at times i think that's why you kind of get like a flatter slope ra- rather than a, a steep drop off like the jj curve okay 
All right. Uh, so looking at this for the Ravens, and, and we, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's the Debbie Downer kind of news. In terms of cap percentile, that's their best single factor. They're in the 35th percentile, right? Yeah. Is that correctly the 35th or the 36th? When you're, you have to be, you have to be higher <laughs> than 30, a full 35% to be in the 35th percentile, right? Yeah. So I would, I would say 35th percentile. Okay. All right, great. And then the second one is uh, well, we'll do we'll do draft percentile. It's the second highest weighted, the twenty fifth percentile, as you mentioned. Yeah. And then in prorated percentile, the prorated money, which has a very low weight in this, it's only it's one half, one and one quarter, right, for the three weights. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a twenty second percentile there. So at least in terms of the relative importance of these three things, their their numbers are in the proper order there. Meaning they're they they're, they're best at the at the thing that is has the highest weighting, but they still come out at in the twelve point nine percentile or a, yeah I think that is what that is it's a from zero to one hundred it's a twelve point nine score, the fifth worst in the entire NFL. Yeah, so so one thing I'll say um, I, I did weight draft capital more than cap space actually I I know the columns are cap space draft and. Uh, I know the columns in the table are cap space, draft capital, and then um, restructural oh, money, but the weights are in terms of draft. So that's why, yeah, like in, in terms of where there's the most weight there, you know, in the bottom one fourth of the league. So that's, that's why they show it pretty low here. Yeah, my mistake, because you have it correctly in the article. It's just the columns and the, and yeah, the rows. I, I, I should have realized that. I'm, my bad. Um, uh, but but anyway, uh, it, that's, a, that's a common curse of a, any – team that is contending for a Super Bowl is that their draft capital is not going to look good the next year, uh, mm-hmm. pretty much no matter what, because your end of the first round pick is worth so much less. And that first round pick for, for all teams is a very high percentage of their total draft capital. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like you said, like a lot of Super Bowl favorites or good teams at least are are in that bottom or at least below like 40 per, the 40th percentile in terms of my composite score. Um, and I, I think a team like the Ravens have shown that they can sustain you know, great franchises without having this much offseason resources. And I think, you know, Lamar is the type of quarterback where I'd say the window is always open as long as he's healthy, which thankfully we got a full season of this year. So I'm not like too worried about where the Ravens placement is or where they rank in my chart. I think as long as Lamar's healthy and they have that kind of uh, infrastructure around him from coaching to front office, I think they'll always be in a solid spot. All right. Well, Arjun, fantastic stuff here. Is there anything else about the article that I didn't let you get to that you'd like to talk about? No, I think we I think we hit on everything. All right. Uh, Al said it's a great read out there. Uh, make sure you take a look for it. Uh, Arjun, tell people where they can find you online, find your work online, or talk football with you. Yeah, so you can find me online at tw- on Twitter, uh, at ArjunMenin100. Uh, that's where I post most of my graphs, most of my tables. Um, anything else you know that people want to talk about, my DMs are always open to help or, or just talk ball in general. So, uh, you know, Ken, I appreciate you having me on. It's always, always a lot of fun and uh, happy to talk about my article as well. No, thank thank you, Arjun. The pleasure, the pleasure is certainly mine. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. Uh, you don't have to be Arjun Menon to discuss anything. It's anything you're passionate about, I'd love to talk to you about. Uh, and I'll get back to you very quickly. My DMs also always open. Uh, Arjun, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.